I had something happen in the first hour that really bothered me. And this might surprise you. One of my <clears throat> prayers anytime that I'm going to be in front of people, one of my prayers, I take my heart to the Lord and I say, God, please get Dennis out of the way. Please fill me with your love for you, the people, whoever I'm speaking to, fill me with your love, God. I don't want to be motivated by doing a good job. I have one desire, Lord, that the love of God would motivate and would reveal who you are. That's, that's my, like Paul says, I die daily. That's kind of my, like, taking my heart and taking my motives and dying to selfish ambition and saying, okay, Holy Spirit, fill me with agape. So anything I do is motivated from heaven's perspective, not Dennis. So after this first service, an elder, elderly gentleman, uh, there's a couple of churches going through some real hard times in our valleys. And so people come from other churches because they think they're not comfortable with what's going on in those churches. They end up in our church and they're trying us out which is not wrong. But after the service, he came up to me, he said, good job, pastor. And I'm going, I cringe to my heart. That's not what I desire. It's not my desire to do a good job here, you guys. My desire to facilitate an encounter with you and God and then be out of the way. I want, I want you to kind of be alert in this moment. We, we've been going through this. Can, if you can put that up there, the pursuit, the church has taken a 21-day uh, journey of prayer and fasting. And, and we've, we've been in this. That's been our goal, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. And is there anything greater than the nearness of God? I just invite you to contemplate that question. Is there anything greater than the nearness of God? Are finances greater? Are grandkids greater? Is a new car greater? A new job greater? What? Is there anything greater than that? I'm telling you, there's not. And so we had three points that we were pursuing as a church family. To awaken our love for Christ. To fill us with the Holy Spirit that we may walk in purity and whole wholeness and power. How many of you know this broken world needs to see the church in purity and power? Yeah. And that we offer our lives, say offer. We'd offer our lives to reveal, should be a the, gospel of Christ and the Father's love to a lost and broken world. And today we're going to reconsider the last point together to offer our lives to the Lord, to reach a lost and broken world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the thing that I'm aware of, like some people really entered in with all they got, some people kind of entered in, some people didn't enter in at all in this room, there's no condemnation, but I want to catch you up to where we're at. There's something happening 
that you're invited into that's not about Northgate. It's about the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We had, we had a worship leader in this service. His name is Josiah. Someday I'm going to have him share his story with you. But Josiah was a junior in college. Loved Jesus on a baseball team, Christian's College. Loved Jesus, but the baseball team had a reputation for not loving Jesus, even though it was a Christian college. His junior year, he said, Lord, like... I don't want to do this anymore. The whole college treats us, they prophetically treat us like we're the bad boys on campus, almost prophesying us into that lifestyle. I just, I'm just done with it. I don't want to be part of it. And I said, Lord said, no, I want you to start a prayer meeting. And he started a prayer meeting. I think he started with two or three. And pretty soon there was more. And pretty soon there was more. And pretty soon, there's revival happening on that campus. People are getting saved, born again. Holy Spirit's being poured out. A revival begins that, that doesn't end when he leaves there. It stays going and his coaches all get saved. This is a Christian school. I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of people in this room that think you're Christians that are not. That revival spreads to universities and going on right now. It's a movement of young adults that are sold out for the gospel. And they happen to have a worship label, you can look it up, called Met by Love. And they had their ministries called One Heart. So Josiah is in this place of surrender to the Lord and this revival is capturing young adults' lives and, and they're starting to be sent out to nations and he hears, go to Alaska. Yeah. And so he comes to Alaska. He goes to the village. He just intercedes for the village. Walks up and down the streets, enters churches, prays for the churches, prays for pastors. Invites God for revival in the villages of Alaska. Yeah. Since then, more have come. We entered into this fast, and <clears throat> different people in the church entered in into ways they felt like they could with their family, responsibilities, so forth and so on. And one mom in our church knew, given the responsibility of making food for the meal, they made some decisions about their food, but she also knew that she wanted to get her cell phone apps out of her daily life. Because she knew the cell phone was distracting her from her pursuit of the Lord. And so she shut it down. She said the first few days she didn't know what to do with herself. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden... She's awake. She says, all of a sudden, it's like my antennas are back out for the Lord. All of a sudden, I'm sensing him like I haven't for a while. All of a sudden, you know how you go to sleep on the couch? You weren't planning on taking a nap, but you do. And you don't even know you're asleep until you wake up. 
That's what's happening in our midst. There's a lot of people that have woken up, but there's some that are still asleep. And your spiritual senses are dull. And they're not alert for the hour that we're in. And so we're in this place, and I... uh, God, Jesus, Lord, Holy Spirit... Last week, we had just such a wonderful gathering. Anybody enjoyed the water baptism last week? Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. People made decisions to get baptized. And one of the men up here, been in church his whole life. His parents are here today. And he was down on this end. His mic is about twice my size. And and, and he, with tears in his eyes, as I asked him if he wants to get baptized, with tears in his eyes, he says, he says, I've been a Christian all my life, and, but I've never made him my king. Today, I'm making him my, my king. And whoa, man, it was so amazing as his three children and wife stood next to the tub. Marie, it was beautiful. And, and they're all cheering dad on, husband on, as he goes under the water, you know. And he was so big, water went everywhere. And, and up he comes, you know. Up he comes, you know. Everybody's clapping, they're clapping. And, and it's just a, just a beautiful, beautiful moment. And, uh, but I want to share a thought. You really don't get born again until you say he's my king. There's a lot of people that go to church and raised in Christian homes that believe Jesus died for their sins and ask forgiveness. But until you call him your Lord and you surrender to his leadership, you're not born again. You can get water baptized all you want. Until you surrender and say, I trust you with my life. You're a way better leader than I am. I'm letting you take over. That's when you move into true salvation of God. We've watered down the gospel by making it easy. And oh God, forgive me for any ways that I've watered down the gospel. So last week I talked about the baptism of Jesus and and just the beautiful willingness of the Lord Jesus who is the creator of the earth surrendering his privilege to being operating as God and, and, and identifying with sinners on the earth so he can recapture their hearts and he goes low. You guys know the story. He identifies with us as sinners so he may fulfill righteousness. He takes our place in every part of life so that every part of his behavior is credited to our account when we believe and receive him as Lord and Savior. So he he does that. He descends. And what happens when he descends? The favor of the Lord opens up heaven because the Lord humbles himself and descends into the Jordan. Heaven opens and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Now, you've got to remember, Jesus did not need to be born again. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He did not need to be born again. But apparently, he needed the power 
of the Holy Spirit. To walk into the wilderness and resist the temptations that Satan was going to bring to him. How many of you need power to enter in to this world and resist the temptations? We all do. And then he heard that voice, that voice that, that, that every person in this room needs to hear if you haven't heard it yet. And it comes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This voice that says, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. He hears this voice in this place of accomplishing righteousness because righteousness opens the door to the voice. I, uh, I came across this picture. I've shown it before, but I feel like it's so prophetic right now in this moment. It's a picture of Jesus going after the lost lamb. That was once me. And sometimes it's still me. And the Lord said, if you're going to be one of mine, if you're going to be one of my followers, then I'll make you fishers of men. See, that's the family mission right there. It's partnering with Jesus to go after the one. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me how he cares about the one. There's not a person in this room that, like I said, when we started the service, his affections are so toward you this morning. He's aware of your challenges, your difficulties, your weaknesses. And he wants you to experience the reality of his presence with you. And so we find John the Baptist he says this, actually, I've jumped ahead. I don't plan to stay with the script, so Lally, run with me, okay? Thumbs up, thank you. In Matthew 11, John the Baptist says, As for me, I baptize you with the water of repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. And here's the deal, you guys. We need that. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire? Unfortunately, one of the hard things, I'm sure the Lord, I'm sure he, it hurts his heart. Because one of the things that's happened is this controversy about, about tongues. So last night, at the end of our, our last service, we had people all over the floor here. And people were praying for one another and people were encountering the Lord and there were tears. There was surrender. There was love. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, in that environment, one of the questions that was asked to Brenda, what do we believe about tongues? And so I thought I needed to take a moment to share what we believe. I talked on this about a year and a half ago, but because it's become such an issue of controversy and dialogue and debate, it's so distracted, so distracted 
from what God wants to do. And so the, the gift of tongues comes many times in the baptism of the Spirit, but not necessarily. I can't prove that to you in the epistles. Didactically, I can't teach you that from the epistles. I can show you historically how that happens in the book of Acts. But, but that's the book of Acts. And it doesn't ever say that you have to speak in tongues to demonstrate that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, there are a lot of people who have the gift of tongues. They got the gift, but they're not filled. It's a gift. It's an important gift. For years, I, I walked my, my life as a Christian without the gift of tongues. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was filled with his love. I was overflowing much of my life. I didn't have that gift. But I was filled. And so when churches, churches who overemphasize the gift will also often call themselves, well, we're a spirit-filled church. And they'll define that by they speak in tongues. The evidence of being spirit-filled is not speaking in tongues. It's agape love. 1 Corinthians 13 clearly says, you can speak with the tongues of men and angels, and, but if you do not have agape love flowing, that's the Father's love flowing through your life, you're a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And because there's been so much abuse... And the issue of tongues, then there's this other side, oh God, please forgive them. And please don't think I got it all right, I'm just in my journey. So when I get to heaven, I'll have some aha moments with the Lord. So please, no, I'm saying these things humbly. But it's unfortunate because of the abuse, there's this side that says, well, they're ceased for today. And that's how I was dis discipled as a new believer. It's either the flesh or the devil. And then I got it. It's not the flesh. And I know it's not the devil. And intimacy with the Lord went deeper. And my prayer life went deeper because of the gift of tongues. What I want to say is being baptized with the spirit and fire does not mean you need to, have to, or even get to speak in tongues. Do I hope you get the gift? Yes. But what I want you to get more is the fiery love of God for you and for people. William Seymour, who actually was the initiator of the Pentecostal movement in America, he said this, the Pentecostal power, when you sum it up, is just more of God's love. That's the man that started the Pentecostal movement that has gone across the planet. Fastest move, moving work of God on the planet is the Pentecostal charismatic movement, which believes in the speaking of tongues. Some of them, I feel like, are overemphasized. And the Apostle Paul has to, has to correct the church in Corinthians because they overemphasize the gift of tongues. So do we speak in tongues in this church? Many of us do. But just because I have the gift does not mean I'm currently filled. But God wants you to be filled. In fact, the commandment of the Lord is to be filled. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Do not get drunk with wine or any other 
counterfeit influences because that's a waste. That's a waste of your life. But instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the verb tense is keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Make this a lifestyle. I'm going to invite you to do something today, but this is not an event. This is stepping into a lifestyle. I shared um, yesterday morning. Yesterday, Saturday? Yeah, yesterday morning. It's kind of all kind of come together. I shared yesterday morning about... um, about these two virtues that are competing in our hearts. And, and the two virtues that are competing for our attention and competing for, our, for our, actually our emotions is fear and love. And, and they, don't, they can't cohabit well. Either you're, you're walking in love or you're walking in fear. And fear is not your friend, but it's very natural to the human experience. The perfect love of the Father is your friend. And he wants to eliminate fear in our lives. And so we have the scripture, 1 Corinthians 4. If you go back and read it on your own, it would be great. But this scripture in verse 18, 19, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. But the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first, because he first loved us. And so one of the things that happens in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that he works to eradicate fear of man. Now, right now, I just want to put your hand on your heart, Lord. Say, I'm available for that today. I don't want to be afraid of what men think of me. I need to be out of that trap. I need to be set free. It's a snare, and I can't be who you want me to be if I'm afraid of what people think of me. I'm not afraid of failure. I'm not afraid of rejection. I'm coming in agreement with boldness and love flowing from my life. That happens in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we see it. We see it in Acts. We see, we see it in Acts. The disciples are in the upper room. They're in hiding from the Jews. Jesus is resurrected. He walks through the door. He says, oh, guys, I know this is scary, but I just tell you peace on you guys. Peace. I know I was dead. I'm alive and I'm walking through the wall. And you guys are like, I would be too. He says, peace. And then he says, as the father sent me, so send I you. So send I you. So send I you. And he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So the church was not born in Acts chapter 1. The church was born in John chapter 20 when they received the Holy Spirit. And now because of the resurrection, the cross resurrection, they're holy on the inside. That means the Holy Spirit can dwell within. And so now they have this connection with God this way, but they're not ready to go. Jesus has discipled them. Anybody been discipled by Jesus like these guys had? No, they lived with him for three years. What would it be like to be discipled by the Lord of heavens and the earth? Face to face like a man with a friend. That's what they experienced. And now they had the Holy Spirit inside. And he spent 40 more days teaching about the kingdom. They're still not ready. He said, you guys aren't ready. You need the power. 
You need the power. You guys know the story. John chapter 8, or Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Go in Jerusalem, wait and pray, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will, what? You'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, there's this word that's used several times. It's, it's called with thermohudon. Thermo, did I say that right? Homothubidon. It means to be of one mind, one accord, having the same passion. I was teasing a group of people the first night of our encounter weekend is talking about the idea of being of one mind and and I know today Kansas City Chiefs are playing somebody the only re even the only reason I know that they're playing is because I got a bunch of people in my church that love Kansas City Chiefs and and I just teased them I said I might just come root for the other team please don't <laughs> I, it reminded me uh, years ago, uh, Brendan and I was at Super Bowl party, and, and we were big Denver Bronco fans. I'm actually originally from Colorado. And we were in a room of, of Denver Bronco fans at the Super Bowl party. First time Denver got there for a long uh, maybe the first time ever. And uh, this other, other family found out their Super Bowl party, and they're not football fans at all. And they decided to come, and then they found out who everybody's rooting for. They just on purpose rooted for the other team. And it was annoying. It was annoying. And in fact, the Denver Broncos got beat 46 to 10, and that couple was going, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> what would happen? What would happen is every person in this room was 100% surrender to this one thing. I'm on earth to testify about the goodness of God and his son, Jesus Christ. What if all our other agendas surrender to that one agenda? What could happen? We need the power. But more importantly, we need the presence of the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit comes the power. I love what Bill Johnson says. Please look at this. This is for us in this moment. The power of God is not a tool that we use to bring people into the kingdom. The power is a person. I am the tool that he uses for the gospel. It's not my maneuvering of his presence and power that I use for divine purpose. It's my yieldedness and surrender. It's my unwillingness to live life without my yes, to which he will follow up with his power. I, I so love you guys. I so want the best for you. Can I just say it's not found in the American dream? It's a lie. It's illusion. It's not found in your checking account. It's not found, young people, in popularity. 
the abundant life that you're longing for is in the Holy Spirit and the coming upon you for his glory. It's not found in earthly things. And so many, much of the church in America is caught up in worldliness and the love of the Father is not being expressed. It says that in 1 John. And he so wants to touch this nation, Alaska, the valley, with agape love. He's just looking for vessels who are surrendered and say yes. Yeah. Say yes. I'm here. I'm alive. For that. And I'm asking that you be honest with God. Be honest. If you're not there, just say, God, I want to get there, but I'm not there yet. Please help me get there. Don't just play, well, play games with this invitation of the Holy Spirit. Don't think that you can't get rid of that addiction. You can. Just surrender. He'll help you. He'll help you because he so wants to use your life for the gospel, to be witness of Christ. He's so zealous for your experience of leading somebody to Christ. There is nothing more beautiful than somebody bow down their knees with, with you and pray. to. I had a 13-year-old come up to me before this hour and say, could you tell me again how I can get born again? I'm telling you, it's com that's coming. Are you ready? Are you anointed? Are you sold out? There's a, a young man, I'm talking to the young people over here. At about 17 years old, he got captured with the dreams of God over his nation. The nation of Wales. Not a huge country, pretty small, more of an island. But he got captured with God's dream over this nation. And he began praying. Evan Roberts, anybody heard of him? He began praying and he got caught, so caught up in the dreams of God over his nation. Lord, you could save this nation, Lord. You could save this nation. And he got so captured by God's heart for, the, for this nation that he couldn't sleep. And he'd wake up at three in the morning and he'd just start praying. And, and mom and dad would call him to dinner and he said, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. And he would stay in his room and he would pray. He was a little bit weird, but he's on fire. And he kept asking the Lord that the Lord would come and invade his nation, the nation of Wales, with his glory. And, and he's just crying out to God. And when he's 19 years old, he's a coal miner. He's 19 years old, and he goes to his pastor. And he says, would you mind if I, if I preached a message? And, and the pastor kind of, eh, how about, how about after the evening service, I give you the pulpit for whoever wants to stay? And so Evan Roberts gets to talk. And I don't know how big the church was, but 25 people stayed. What, the, what history, if I remember the history right. 25 people stayed. And then at the end of his talk, which was fire, he said, how many of you will be all in for the whales receiving the gospel of Christ? How many of you will come and say, I'm committed, I'm committing my life? in a sense, to be witnesses. Twelve or thirteen came forward, came to the front, 
And he said, write the papers, revival's here. God showed up in Wales. They estimate up to 100,000 people in a short period of time got saved. The glory of God descended on this nation to such an extent that men would go to the bars and buy a drink and try to get it to their mouths and the repentance would hit them and they would spill it out in repentance and go to the church and get saved. The crime went down so much that magistrates would go to work and have nothing to do. In fact, the policemen developed quartets because they had nothing to do. This, this is the truth. The dogs and the, or not the dogs, the horses and the donkeys that helped in the, in the mines could no longer understand the coal miners' commands because they weren't using curse words anymore. The culture of Wales changed. The glory of God descended because one man believed and 12 entered into his belief and surrendered to the mission of God. What could happen in Alaska? What could happen in Alaska if you realize this is your moment to live for God? Last three weeks ago, Abe, or not Abe, Gabe, was here, our missionary from South Africa. And he's, he just, he says, I beg you, I beg you, don't waste your lives. Don't waste your lives. He's coming back. And regardless of when he comes back, you'll have your day before the Lord. And I'm telling you, careers are important, but only when they're surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus and you want Jesus to be known. Being a parent is important. Please don't do it apart from wanting your children to be witness for Christ and, re, and giving them an example. It's irrelevant. I told my men all the time at our men's breakfast, your gospel is irrelevant unless you have a burden for lost people around you. It means nothing to your kids. Until you have a burden for the lost, you can tell them about Jesus all day long and they'll look at you and not understand because Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. That's the mission. Church. It's not religious services. It's not Sunday mornings. It's Monday through Saturday, wherever you are. That's the mission. This is just a time for Dennis to like rev you up and the Holy Spirit more importantly. Would you stand? Mariah, if you could come up and just be there. We don't need music. What we need, what we need is people who say yes. And if that's on your heart, I just want you to come forward and just stand up here. And just with that's your heart, I just say yes. You're all in. You're here on the earth to reveal the goodness of Jesus, to testify of him. You want all fear of man to be eradicated from your life. You don't want to be shy about telling people about Jesus. You want people to know him and you're willing to be a vessel of love. That includes a, a fresh boldness coming upon the church. A fresh boldness coming upon the church. A fresh selling out. You guys, you can't do this without your time intimacy. You need to have time with the Lord. It's where you're filled is when you're with the Lord. And you bow your knees before him. You say, God, I can't do this apart from you. 
I can't give you, I can't do this and win my, help people know Jesus apart from you. I can do nothing apart from you. I'm desperate for the presence of God in my life. This is where their church is at at this moment. This is where we're at. I'm desperate for the presence of God in my life. So I restructure my days. I restructure my appetite. I restructure my attention to the presence of the Lord. He's so good. The nearness of God is better than anything this world will offer you. His loving kindness is best. So I'll tell you a story real quickly. This kind of place that we're in right now, we were in in 2003 at, at Crossroads, which now we call Northgate. We had a couple come to our church, Bill and Carol Dew, and they came to our church and the fire of God was falling on people and, and, and it was an amazing thing. But my son-in-law, Jeff, who worked for Lowe's, he's a sergeant with APD now, he was very uncomfortable with the presence of the Holy Spirit. It, 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 it's, let's just be honest. When the presence of God comes in strength, it can be uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable. And, and, and Heidi, of course, she's my daughter, and she's like, she kind of trusts me a little bit more than my son-in-law because they're new in their marriage. And, and he's Baptist background. So this, like, this is way outside of his paradigm. And by Saturday night, He's like, he's against the wall in the back. And Heidi's up front getting touched. And I'm watching this happen. And so we have lunch with Bill and Carol Dew on Sunday morning after Sunday service. And I invite all my kids, come over, meet Bill and Carol. And, and Bill's just a down-to-earth normal guy. And, but he just carries the presence of God. And he... Uh, he banters with Jeff, and they start teasing each other. That's Jeff's love language. One of his love is teasing. And so they're teasing each other, and Jeff gets comfortable around Bill a little bit. And that, that night, our last service, where God is moving, people are on the floor, people are praying for one another, tears are happening, some people are shaking under the presence of God. It was a beautiful thing. Glory of God had descended on our church and Bill turns, and Jeff's about three or four rows back. He says, Jeff, do you want the fire of God? And Jeff timidly says, uh, yes. Two of my friends immediately go over like, we're going to get him. Put the hands on him. And Bill said, no, no, no. No, Jeff needs to know this is from God, not people. So take your hands off. And he just says, fire of God, fall. And pretty soon Jeff is standing and he's shaking and he goes to his knees and then he's on the floor and his, he puts his hands on his head. His face is about as red as Chris's sweatshirt right there. And he goes, this is what he does. He says, it's hot. It's hot. And we just say, we just said more, Lord. The fruit of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, fire happened that very next week, which I think the Lord wanted to show him. This was not just a thing. This was the fruit of what happened in his life. He's walking down the, hall, down the aisle of Lowe's, and he's walking by two co-workers who are stocking shelves, and, 
And, and one of the things that Bill taught was words of knowledge. And, and as he's walking by this couple of co-workers, the Lord says, ask her about her wrist, her right wrist. And of course, he's going, that the Lord? And he keeps walking and gets stronger. Ask her about her right wrist. So he kind of goes back. Jeff's not a shy guy, but he's still like operating this new faith. And he goes, does something, I don't know what her name is. Does something happen to your right wrist? And she looks at him like, who who do you think you are? And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. And he turns and he walks away thinking, I missed that one. And he walks away. And then he hears the other co-worker say as he walks away, you were just complaining about your right wrist. And so he keeps walking and going, God, I don't know what to do now. And he says, ask her about her boyfriend. What happened last night with her boyfriend? He's going, come on, God. Come on. He needs to tell this story here. So he surrenders to the voice. He goes back to her. Did something happen between you and your boyfriend last night? And again, she looks at him like, who do you think you are? And he goes, okay. And right then on the intercom, there's a phone call for Jeff Whitworth. Come to the employee's office. So he goes back there. He gets on the phone. It's my daughter, Heidi. And as he gets back there, this lady has walked and followed him. standing like 10 feet away from him, looking at him, staring at him. And he says, Heidi, can I call you back? Is it emergency? No. Can I call you back? Okay. He hangs up the phone. And the lady says, how did you know? He said, I don't really know. I just did what the Lord told me to do. Why would he do that? I think because he loves you. I think he wants to show you that he loves you. She falls down on the floor weeping. She said, last night, my boyfriend tried to hit me. I reached up my right hand to stop and it wrenched my wrist back. And my sister told me, she's a Christian, this week that God would supernaturally show me that he loves me. That's the fruit of being baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. The gifts of the Spirit come. It may be tongues. It may be gift of healing. It may be gift of healing, prophecy, and tongues. I don't know. He's the one that distributes his gifts, right? Sovereignly to those that are asking. How many of you know it's biblical to ask? So can you just ask God, fill me with your Holy Spirit right now? Can you just ask God, fill me, baptize me anew with the baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit? I need that baptism. I need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm asking And everything that comes with it, God, I trust you, what you give me. Fill me up, overflowing with agape for people, for the lost, for the broken. God, awaken my heart to the people around me that don't know you. I want them to know you, Lord. I want them at least to hear about you. I want to be a broken vessel for you, poured out as an offering for your glory. Jesus, here we are. These are your people. I'm asking God that you would touch us. Touch us. 
Touch us with your fire for your love. <coughs> Can I just encourage you with something? This is not a one-time event. This is a lifestyle. When I started seeking the Lord for more, it was six months later when it manifested. It was six months later before something came that I knew tangibly had changed in my life. But it was a pursuit of baptism of the Holy Spirit because I wanted to be a witness. I didn't want to be a bystander of what God was doing on the earth. Northgate, this is not about this church. But the Lord is calling this church into a fresh work of faith, surrender, and power. And so, Lord, here we are. We just ask. The other thing I would say is this is not because of Dennis's talk. You're not up here because of Dennis's talk. You're up here because the Holy Spirit has wooed you to be here. It's important you understand this. For you to come and say yes, it's not because of something that Dennis said. It's because the Holy Spirit is wooing you into a lifestyle of surrender and encounter and love. He's, surrender, he's bringing you into this place. It's the rest of your life. It's the most joyous, abundant Christian life to walk with God and unveil him wherever I go. This is, this is, this is a beautiful thing. But it's not for just this moment. Put your hand on your neighbor. Just pray my favorite prayer. Get him, God. Get him, God. Pray this over your neighbor. Baptize him in the spirit and in fire. Cause him to be a burning vessel for the gospel. Fill him up with your love. Fill him up overflowing with the spirit. Go ahead, pray these prayers. Increase, increase the glory of God in their lives. Increase the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Yeah, increase. Don't you guys quit praying. Don't pray timid prayers. Timid prayers bring timid answers. Timid prayers bring timid answers. Come into agreement. We're here in surrender, Lord. We're here in surrender, Lord. Touch us, God. Touch us, God. Touch us, God. Touch us, God. Yes, God, have your way in our lives, Lord. Have your way in our lives. May the joy of the Lord be our strength. Pray joy over one another. Increase joy. Increase your joy. Yeah, increase your joy, God. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord. My... Uh, my daughter, this is, this is the hard thing about church, is time. My daughter is the children's pastor, and I love her dearly. And she's been taking care of kids all weekend long, pouring out her life, serving the church. And now I've gone over again. Jesus, have mercy on me. Bless Haley. Everybody say, bless Haley. Bless Haley. Probably for some of you, you're experiencing a vibration of God inside of you. 
And this is something the Lord is going to do in your life. He's going to heighten your awareness of his presence. And for me, and it's different for different people, for me, there is a vibration that happens right here. And I, I just come, would you put your hand on your belly just real quick? The will of the Lord is that from your innermost being would flow rivers, rivers of living water. The Lord doesn't want you just to hope you have the presence of God. He wants you to learn how to experience his presence. So your, your physical body is sensitized to the presence of God. And, and you know, oh, God's just showed up. I can tell. For me, it's like in here. Some people like Randy Clark is the back of his hair just stands up on the back of his neck. But the Lord wants to heighten your sensitivity to the presence of God. Because then, you know, oh, you're on something, Lord. You're on something here. What, what you're saying right now, that's you. I can sense it with my senses. Not just my, not my spirit man, but also my natural man. You've been created to be one with God. I got to stop. I bless what you're doing, Lord. I bless what you're doing in the room. And Lord, we, we surrender. I mean, we just bow down in our hearts to God and we say, God, keep me in this position. Keep me in this place. Keep me in this decision that I just made today. Please don't let me waver from this decision. I'm on the earth to unveil the glory of God, to preach the gospel, be a witness, love people like you love them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I bless what God's doing in your life. Stay in what he's doing. And have an amazing week. Show Jesus off wherever you go.